anyone or anything get in the way of God's purposes? Today, we're going to see someone in the Bible who tried to resist God's power. Thanks for listening to The Bible Brief. In our last episode, we considered the great promises that formed the bedrock of the nation of Israel. These promises in the Abrahamic covenant were summarized with three words, land, seed, and blessing. The land of Canaan, the mini seed or offspring of Abraham, and the blessing to the nations that will be accomplished by a particular descendant of Abraham. Many years later, The nation Israel, born out of promises to Abraham, is enslaved in Egypt, forced into labor by Pharaoh and his taskmasters. Yet, God has not forgotten his promises. He will save his people from their slavery, and he will do it in a miraculous way. Now here we are, 400 years later in the land of Egypt. What was perhaps intended as a short stay by the great-grandchildren of Abraham to avoid famine ended up being a home away from home. They left the land of Canaan that God promised to Abraham and made a new home in Egypt. Then the generations passed, and the Israelite nation within the Egyptian borders grew in population. In fear of this expanding population and the strength of the Israelite people, a new pharaoh, the king of Egypt, decides to force the Israelites into slave labor. And then he begins a systematic effort to kill all newborn Israelite males. The people of Israel are in bitter distress. And then a strange thing happens. An Egyptian princess sees a baby boy floating in a basket in the Nile River. You see, the Pharaoh had commanded that all these newborn Israelite males had to be cast into the Nile River to drown. But in hope for her child, an Israelite mother puts her baby boy in a basket, hoping that somehow he might be saved. This princess who discovers the baby boy gives him a name that echoes through the remaining passages of the Bible. She gives him the name Moses. Now Moses grows up in the household of Pharaoh, but also benefits from regular interaction with the Israelite community. That he is an Israelite isn't hidden from him. In fact, he so identifies with the Israelites that when he sees one of his people being abused by an Egyptian taskmaster, Moses murders the Egyptian and runs away from Egypt into the wilderness. Years later, after he is settled in the wilderness, he's then called by God to return to Egypt with a message for a new pharaoh. The message is pretty simple. Let my people go. But you know what pharaoh doesn't do? Let the Israelites go. Instead, he makes their work even harder. So in a miraculous demonstration of God's power, Egypt suffers plagues for refusing to let the Israelites leave. These plagues are so famous that they've been depicted in many movies, some better than others, but let me give you a taste of what they are. First, the water in the Nile River is turned to blood, yet Pharaoh continues to resist freeing the Israelites. Next, Egypt suffers swarms of frogs all over the land. Yet Pharaoh continues to resist freeing the Israelites. The third plague is swarms of gnats as numerous as the dust of the earth. Yet Pharaoh continues to resist freeing the Israelites. This cycle continues through more and more plagues. The death of the Egyptian livestock, boils all over people's skin, heavy hail upon Egypt, locusts that destroy the fields of grain and fruit, darkness over the land of Egypt, and finally the last plague. 
This final plague involved the death of the firstborn of every household. That is, the firstborn of every household who didn't do a certain thing. Oddly enough, God tells the Israelites that in order not to suffer this plague, they need to do something. They need to put the blood of a lamb on their doorposts of their homes. While this may seem like an odd command, it demonstrates a concept that's found in the rest of the Bible. This concept is substitution. In this case, the lamb serves as a substitute for the death of the firstborn among the Israelites. The lambs die in their place, and the lamb's blood on the doorposts provides evidence for the death of the lamb. As God passes over the Israelites during this plague, he sees the blood of the lamb and doesn't have the plague visit that household. Again, this concept is substitution, the substitution of a lamb for the firstborn. We'll revisit this again in a moment. So this final plague comes upon the Egyptians, and it finally breaks Pharaoh. Mourning the loss of his firstborn, he releases the Israelites to leave Egypt. And immediately, in the middle of that same night, the Israelites leave Egypt, bound for the wilderness between Egypt and the land of Canaan promised to Abraham. But soon, Pharaoh changes his mind yet again, and he begins to pursue the Israelites in the wilderness. He gets on his chariot along with 600 other charioteers and warriors. And the next part of the story comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 14. You should read this whole chapter after you listen to this episode, as I won't be able to even match the drama of the biblical account, but I'll do my best. As the Egyptians approach the men, women, and children of Israel, the Israelites are in total distress. They see a large sea of water in front of them, and the Egyptians pursuing hotly behind. They begin to cry out in angst at Moses, and yet Moses, full of faith in God, says, Don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation that he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you must be quiet. And then we read this. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back with a powerful east wind all that night and turned the sea into dry land so that the waters were divided. And the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with the waters like a wall to them on their right and on their left. Then the Egyptians pursued them into the sea and we read, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back on the Egyptians, on their chariots, and on the horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea returned to its normal depth. While the Egyptians were trying to escape from it, the Lord threw them into the sea. The water came back and covered the chariots and horsemen, plus the entire army of Pharaoh that had gone after them into the sea. Not even one of them survived. This is the account of the great exodus from Egypt, the event consistently referenced in the remainder of the Bible as evidence of God's power to save. This echoes through the Bible. God's power can save his people. After this event, we see God lead the Israelites through the wilderness for a period of 40 years. There are significant events in this time period that we simply don't have time to cover in this run-through, but we need to mention just one. God gives the nation Israel a set of laws to follow in the land of Canaan. Based on something you've probably heard of, the Ten Commandments, 
This expanded set of over 600 laws are given to Israel to govern them in the land of Canaan. And this law includes something significant that we've already discussed, a continuation of the substitution idea that we saw in the last plague. God creates a system by which people can draw near to him despite their sin. And the way that they can do this is to put the death penalty that they deserve for their sin onto something else, an animal. Just like they had to do with the lambs when God passed over their houses in the final plague in Egypt. This sets a principle for something that becomes a theme in the Bible all the way up to the New Testament. The theme is this. In order to draw near to God, people need to transfer the penalty for their sin onto a substitute. This theme goes through the whole Bible, and in the New Testament, it comes to its culmination. In the New Testament, we see that instead of an animal, we see a person become the substitute. Instead of a lamb's blood, we see a man's blood. And at this point, I'm sure you know who that person is. In step four of our ten steps, we'll see what happens when the Israelites enter the land of Canaan after hundreds of years. Will everything be roses? Or will there be trouble? Will they follow the law that God gave them? Or will they reject it? Thanks for listening to The Bible Brief. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Are you enjoying the podcast? One of the best ways for the show to grow is for you to share it with a friend. Will you do that today? We'd love to help more people understand the life-changing story and message of the Bible. Thank you for your support, and thank you for listening. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2022